Hello everyone, this is Nolan with the 307 RPG Podcast, and I just want to say thanks to all of our awesome patrons. If you like our show and want to support us, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash the Forge Herald. Thanks everyone, hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to the 307 RPG Podcast. I'm Patrick. I'm Nolan. Our topic of the night is on character creation for Dungeons and Dragons with Nolan. But before we dive into that, Nolan, how are you doing this weekend? We played too many games and stayed up too late as usual, so it's a good weekend. So you're tired? Always. So what did you play this weekend? Actually, you know what? Before we do that, everybody knows more than likely what you played this weekend. So Nolan, what's going on in Lord of the Rings? Uh, so playing through the book quests, uh, we are at the point now, uh, the fellowship has left. I got to wrap up the Lothlorien, uh, Mirkwood campaign. And in doing so is about the time that, uh, Elrond gets a note basically from Galadriel saying what's happening, saying that Aragon has need of the Dunedain and they need to meet him because he will, they, they will be of service to their chieftain before it's end. And he's like, well, that's not right and i can't go so you have to so i ran all across uh the northern kingdoms finding these outposts of rangers basically saying your chieftain slash king calls for aid and now i am riding south with them um yeah i guess they're and that's the part there that i kind of just keep not being able to say no to because gosh it's so good do you ever throw on the soundtracks to the movies while you're playing I don't because the in-game music is phenomenal. Um, and then there is little voice acting here and there in between the stories and stuff like that. So I, I don't, but it does make me, uh, I'm always looking deeper to see what is the difference between what's actually happening and like what they made to make for the game and, and what, uh, there's just like little things we talk about. You know, you get so used to the movies being so good that, getting back to reading the books is something that we've both talked about a couple times of being like, right. okay, which, which parts do we miss? Who is actually where? Um, and the Dunedain for me was one of my favorite parts of the entire book. Um, the, the, the part where they go into the, the realm of the dead basically. Um, and I just remember that part of Aragon has no fear, but he walks in and everybody's just like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe he just rolled in and his horse followed him out of love. And then the Dunedain went and their horses followed the, you know I mean? It was just kind of one of those things of like, nobody wanted to be there, but their love and their, their oath to their future King and chieftain just kind of carried him forth. And so, um, these guys were all, I mean, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but something along the lines of like one Dunedain is worth 50 men in battle. I mean, they were, they were just of a, a different breed of soldier. They were the, they, they trained their entire lives for the potential of this moment. And they've done it for generations. Is this the time? Is this the time? Is this the king? Is this the reforging of the sword? Is this, you know, so their entire existence could be for, I mean, they always did good, but their purpose was always on the horizon. And and I they got to thinking about that. And we've been talking about playing D and D and Icewind Dale and that kind of stuff. And I was like, gosh, that would be such a you know. We always build these heroes and we always build these characters with these stories and stuff like that. And I was like, that would be such a fun. Um, why do you train so hard? Because my time is coming. You know what I mean? Like always having right, that right. that mindset that my king is going to call or this event is going to come or, you know, you, one of those things of like, it's almost like a soldier. Like you train for the worst, hoping it never comes. But at the same time, you have to be prepared to, to meet that moment when that call goes out. And, and I kind of thought that was like, that would be a fun build. Cause everybody, you know, I want to be Aragorn. I want to be Legolas. It's like, I wonder if you build a character for the Dunedain. Like, no, my, my purpose, my, my king will call and I will have to go. So I have to be ready, but I'm here now honing those skills and I'm here to help. Don't misunderstand, but I will have to go at some point. This is, this is a temporary thing because of my higher purpose, my king, my calling. And, and I don't know, it, it was kind of a fun track of character creation since that was kind of what we were talking about of just kind of, that would be a neat way to build a character of just on the edge of, the next thing. And of course we watched Hamilton this weekend and, and that was so over the top of, you know, taking your moment and that kind of thing. And it's like, man, that would really be one of those type things of like it it's coming and I have to be ready type situation. So. Yeah. 
and Hamilton is definitely that. What a great show, but we're not talking about Hamilton because I'll go on forever. Let's instead talk about you. You had mentioned um, so fans of the show know that you and I are big, big, big fans of Lord of the Rings, and we also understand that the movies are different from the books. We get that, but we still love the movies. And obviously there's discrepancies from the movies to the books. And Nolan was telling me just this week about he comes to me and he says, hey, do you know how long a time had passed from the point where Gandalf tells Frodo to keep the ring, keep the ring safe and secret to the point where he comes back and asks him if it's secret and safe? And I'm like, I don't know. Nolan, how long was it? Uh, Something like 17 years. 17 years, which makes sense because you can think about what he tells Bill or Frodo that he looked for Gollum. He went and he researched the ring. I mean, he went all over the place trying to figure out if this is what what he thought it was. And I just think it's fascinating because in the movies, I mean, you get the impression that some time has passed, but you don't get the impression that 17 years has passed. Right. Yeah, that's uh the details of the book and stuff like that are just so, so interesting. Uh, it, nothing is written without purpose. And, and so, right. It, it's, and it's pretty of, cool. Speaking of purpose, the other thing that Nolan and I talked about this week, and this is what helps us get through our day. I swear people, um, we were discussing, I was listening to two towers as I was drifting off to sleep, the extended version. And I hear Gandalf, I'm sorry, it was a fellowship, not two towers. And I hear Gandalf telling, telling Frodo that Bilbo has left in his ring. And he says, um, keep it safe, keep it secret. And then when he returns, he says, is it secret, is it safe? And, and it dawned on me that he said those in different orders. And if you know anything about the wizards in Middle-earth, how they speak and their voices and, and their vocal command is a lot of their magic. So I was like, Nolan, do you think this is what this is? And what was your explanation to me? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's the thing of like, like you said, you know, was he casting a spell to guard him? My thought was, is when he left, he, he didn't know exactly what the ring was. So the, the urgency of the situation was, protect it don't tell no one and then when he got back he knew he knew how dangerous it was and it needed to be you know at this point he just needed to know who else knew uh you know i mean it was just such a such a interesting thing of yeah that's that was my thought the sense of urgency on the situation had changed yeah he he knows what it is and it is a huge it's huge the the order of importance of the moment now they're both important but this this situation is bigger than all of them. So I don't you know. know. You know what we need? We need someone from Lord of the Rings uh, RPG to come on our show and talk to us about that game because we are both such fans of that world that I think we would have a blast talking to a writer from Lord of the Rings. It's hard not to be a fan. I will say that. <laughs> it really is. Okay, so let's jump into the news. So for 307 RPG News, I have been lining up a lot of guests for future episodes of our show. So far, I have talked with writers for Call of Cthulhu. I've talked to writers for, or I'm sorry, experts for Werewolf the Apocalypse. Um, we are going to, Nolan and I are going to be doing a segment through a, a whole month um, in August. We're either going to call it Rage Across or Rage Through August. I don't know which, um, but that event is coming up soon. And I'm lining up people to come on and talk to us about Werewolf, and Nolan and I will be breaking down the tribes and some of the uh, auspices and such that you need to learn to uh, to play the game, just like we did with our um, February with Mage Brewery. So we're really excited about that, and we're really excited to get people on the show to talk about that. I've also been talking with folks about horror role-playing in general. Um, so like I know Onyx Path has a new Kickstarter coming up, and Matthew Dawkins came on the show to talk a little bit about that. So all this stuff is coming up. So we got a lot of really cool, fun stuff for everybody to listen to. Okay, jumping over to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Product-wise, I didn't see anything new. But Nolan, you said there was something new with the D&D Beyond app? Um, yeah, sorry. I was trying to think of what it was. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I don't know if you've seen the D&D Beyond app before. It does have all the books. You can pull the access right there at your phone. Um, this week they came out with, or maybe not this week, but I finally noticed it this week. They came out with a player's app and then you can log in and pull all your characters 
to the screen. It is in their early stages, so it doesn't have the cool dice rolling feature yet. Um, but with this ability here, you could download your character sheets uh, and store them on your phone, so that way you wouldn't necessarily need internet connection where you're going if that's a, a concern or data or anything like that. But looks just like D&D Beyond. Uh, if you do have online internet connection and you need to pull something up, you can hit go to the website page and it'll pull up your character uh, through uh, your browser on your phone. But given people kind of the option to have access to some of this stuff without necessarily needing to have access to the internet. So I don't know if you're playing on a lawn plane ride or something crazy. I, I don't know what you do with that stuff. But nice to have more options, more play options. Um, I'm curious to see with all the dice rolling features and everything like that, if maybe they're working on a, a roll 20 system style uh, option here in the future. Could be, could be. Uh, I know you were showing me quite a bit about it this week, and I think it's going to be interesting once it gets developed. And I do think it dropped this week, Nolan. I don't think it just snuck up on you, so you're good. <laughs> Yay. Wizards of the Coast came under fire this week. Now, this is not the first time in recent months or even recent weeks that Wizards of the Coast has come under fire. And this is not the first time that their Dungeons & Dragons site has come under fire. Now, I want to say there was also some controversy that came out um, on the Magic side of things but I couldn't find it this morning. So uh, I don't want anybody to think that we think less of that. I just couldn't find the details. So, and 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 again, Nolan and I don't know the anything about this other than what we have read. So I think we both kind of withhold judgment for either side and think that people need to investigate and figure out what's going on. But so here's here's the situation. Orion Black, better known as Dungeon Commander, announced that they are no longer employed by Wizards of the Coast through Twitter. Uh, they use the form TwitLong, so you can write a whole essay if you needed to. Black released a statement with some pretty harsh claims. Uh, this isn't, again, this isn't the first time that an employee has left WotC, specifically on the, the Dungeons & Dragons side, and said some very similar stuff. I have no clue what's going on at Watsi, but in but in this day and age, these are not accusations any company would want hanging over them. The accusations include things like racist practices and well, other practices that are just not right, including like you can be fired for following or liking people on Twitter that might be politically motivated, so specifically towards uh, like Black Lives Matter. Um, and I have the full statement, a uh, link to the full statement in the show notes. Um, Nolan, I know we don't like to give judgment on this stuff because we don't know anything about it other than what the statement is. But just you know, lightly give me your thoughts on this. I think that I, I guess I just don't understand how I can. We talk about this a lot. I don't get how this stuff comes up. I mean, I don't I don't know. And maybe it's just ignorance uh, or maybe we just work for decent people at this point that yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get how people can act that way. Um, how you could have that kind of thing. You know, uh, we've got, uh, where we work, you know, I have, I have lots of conversations with, uh, my owners and, and they talk about like, listen, like I can't do what you do. I don't try to pretend to do what you do. That's why you're here. Keep doing that and and being awesome at it. You know, I mean, it's one of those things of like, they're just, they're so happy for our differences of things that we're into and able to help. Uh, they see that stuff as, as a benefit. So I don't understand why you wouldn't um, celebrate those differences or try and control what people think, or it gets a little creepy weird, um, especially yeah. when you knowing the audience. I think that's a big thing too. Like, you know, if it Maybe if I was like for the NRA or something like that, you know, maybe I would be a little bit concerned about some of that stuff of where the support was going because that's all I've got is my base. But here it's like, it's always been about creating a story and, and, and living in a fantasy world and, and being different and, you know, and to see, I don't know, somebody try to control people's thoughts and control what they say and, and control what they think. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that like we have Coca-Cola here and in our town. And I know that if you were caught drinking a Pepsi, um, you could be fired, you know, type situation. Like, right. you know, so, I mean, I've seen it, I guess, but I don't know. I, it, it's just so, so foreign, I, I guess, I'm, to me. I guess I'm, I'm not quite okay with the, hey, if you drink a Pepsi, you're fired. I mean, I can see if you walk into the Coke store with a 12-pack of Pepsi and sat down and started drinking it, I can definitely see them saying, hey, what the hell are you doing? 
um probably a little harsh to get fired but you know i i don't understand and like you said you know we're we're nolan and i work we do have diverse people there i mean and, and understand that wyoming when i say diverse people it means we do have people of other races working there but we're in northern wyoming where the predominant race is white. Yes, there are Hispanics here. Yes, there are African-Americans here, but they are very few and far between. We also have Native Americans here. Um, again, it's very few and far between here. So we do have people of other races that work with us, and they are treated equally, just like everybody else, with respect. And I don't get why anybody would treat anybody, no matter what race they are, with any sort of disrespect, and it's if these accusations are true, and again, this isn't the first time someone has left D&D within the last couple months and has said these things. So I sincerely hope that Watsy takes a look, Hasbro takes a look at what's going on at Watsy and says, fix your shit. Yeah, and I, I think it's nice to see that there's more and more options for people to be creative and write outside of some of these companies that are doing these weird things because... You know, I think right. that's kind of the fear that we've seen, you know, with uh, females being mistreated and stuff like that. It's like, you know, well, where else were you going to go, you know, 10 years ago? You know, if you wanted to be in this industry, your your options were limited. And so now that we see more of this stuff, more character created or uh, uh, home created stuff, support through drive through RPG, you know, those kind of things. There's opportunities that you don't have to be holding to uh, tyrant people that you have to work for anymore. So. Right. And, you know, and just like our friends over at Bite Size Gaming who created their, you know, they created their own world that they brought to Kickstarter and have done very well with. And and I know people can start doing or people can do that more. So I hope that people who feel marginalized, people who feel disrespected and have had to leave these companies realize that their work is excellent and they need to put it out there and use things like drive through RPG and Kickstarter. Start your own little publishing company and get your work out there because people want to play it. So, and again, Nolan and I don't know the full story, so we try, we just read the statements that's out there and form an opinion on that. Um, I try to be very careful with my opinions because, again, I don't know the whole story. But speaking of controversy, let's talk about our friends over at Critical Role. They have come under fire this week as well. Apparently, Critical Role is being accused of soliciting work from their fan base but not paying for it. Uh, this is, I've taken this directly from the Critical Role statement. It says, this individual voluntarily reached out to Critical Role with concerns about his own experience with online bullying. Critical Role does not condone online bullying or harassment of any kind. And an employee with the company listened with the sole purpose of being an understanding ear. The correspondence on Discord reflect an empathetic dialogue with a concerned member of the community and not the providing of any professional services to critical role by this individual. Nothing in the communications established by any professional employment or contractual relationship with critical role. After months of casual interaction, the individual made an inquiry to the critical role employee about possibly being engaged by critical role as a consultant to the company. Upon receiving this request, the critical role employee immediately and clearly declined their request. I have not, I've seen a little bit of the Discord stuff. Um, I, I don't know, I, and I don't want to pass judgment here. So I have a link to the full statement so you guys can check it out. You can take a look at it. Uh, Nolan, what are your thoughts on this one? I saw when this thing came up, apparently the person, again, it was one of those things of you see the, the community type thing. It would be like, from my understanding, uh, somebody contacting us and say, hey, listen, we heard you guys talking about this on your show. Uh, I would be concerned that you maybe offended somebody on here. Here's some suggestions. And that's kind of how it started. They're like, hey, you know what? Thanks for the feedback. That's we, we appreciate people's input. And it proceeded to go and go and go. And then it turned into, hey, you guys need a sensitivity style uh, editor. Uh, I'd like to do that. And they got turned down and then they got upset. Um, so <laughs> that was it. It sounded like the 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 person who was a part of it was a, a regular in the Twitch chat was in that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of people knew this person from the community. And it was one of those things of it went from, Hey, I got these helpful ideas. And they said, thank you to all of a sudden I'm a part of the team and went way too far. So, and you know, this was the first I heard about it. So I have no idea what's going on. Um, I read critical role statements. That's kind of what it sounded like to me, but I have no clue. So 
anyway, those I do have links in the show notes to both of those situations if folks want to check that out and look into it and form their own opinion. Um, again, I go back to with Wizards of the Coast. If this stuff is true, fix your shit. Um, I know there have been announcements via Twitter from content creators who are saying they are no longer going to be playing Wizards of the Coast stuff because until they get these things fixed, or maybe period, uh, because people are fed up. And in this day and age, you know, with with the immediacy that people want answers or people want things fixed, you can't fuck around. You got to get this stuff taken care of quickly. Yeah, and it's interesting to see. I don't know you'd like to see where it's coming from because the people that we see uh, that represent, you know, a lot of the D and D and stuff like that, it's, it's hard to imagine. Like, you know, you don't know what capacity people are still writing for stuff, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I don't, I have a hard time seeing, you know, like Chris Perkins being a bad guy, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, so I imagine, you know, how, how deep does this go or how much are those people in the know? Cause he's, yeah, I don't know. Like you said, in this day and age, you'd feel like you'd have a lot more people that'd be shutting that stuff down pretty quick. So, Right. Unless it's just systemic in the culture and it's always been that way. And the people who may not agree with it are just turning a blind eye. So I, and, and yeah. I don't know, um, we're not there. We have no clue where we are completely speculating. So I don't want anybody to think that we're experts on the matter because we are not. So, okay, let's, let's trek on down the Onyx path. Uh, not a whole lot from Onyx Path right now. They did announce that their next Kickstarter will be They Come From Beyond the Grave. This is the second in the Come From series, and it is based on horror films of the 1960s and 70s. It is still full of the crazy mechanics and quips from They Come From Beneath the Sea. And <laughs> as much as horror <laughs> horror movies can be, this sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. You still get the whole crazy insert of deleted scene here and uh, all the zany stuff that happened uh, and they came from beneath the sea. It looks like they're working on getting all the assets together for that one so they can launch it on Kickstarter. Matthew Dawkins, when he was on the uh, when I interviewed him last week, we did talk quite a bit about this product here. So uh, make sure you listen for that because it's going to be interesting. Uh, but that, that's all I really saw from uh, the Onyx Path. Of course, you know, as much as Onyx Path works independently, they all, you know, they don't have a major office. They are still very much affected by COVID. So they have to be very cautious with everything. So, yeah, things are just slow right now. Over at Modifius, this past Saturday was the Day of Honor, which was kind of a, a virtual con uh, focusing on Klingons. Now, I was unable to catch any of this as I got completely sucked into the Diablo world, like, hard. Uh, <laughs> I meant to watch this, but at some point I looked up and I was like, oh, look, it's it's like 8 o'clock in the morning. Cool, no problem. Then I look up again, it's like, oh, shit, it's noon. I was pulling a Nolan hard on that one. <laughs> That happens. It does. Um, hopefully that went well. Um, I did see that earlier this week, Modifius did announce the Klingon Empire, which is a new source book for Star Trek Adventures. I have a link to that in the show notes, which perfect timing. I'm sure that was done on purpose. Uh, Modifius also announced two releases for the Forbidden Lands RPG. These are the Bitter Reach book as well as the Bitter Reach map pack. These are both available in print or PDF format on Modifius's website. Nothing at all new from Chaosium. Uh, I know that I think today is the last day to vote for the Any Awards. So Chaosium has quite a bit of stuff up there. Uh, so make sure you, if you enjoy Call of Cthulhu or any of the Chaosium's games, make sure you head over to the Any Awards and give them votes. Um, Hunters Entertainment. These are the folks who are doing the Altered Carbon RPG. Um, I recently received an email from Hunters Entertainment regarding the Altered Carbon RPG. This was, of course, on Kickstarter, and it did very well. It sounds like they were able to make some res- uh, revisions thanks to backers looking through a work-in-process or work-in-progress copy of the PDF. The announcement said that they have made several revisions slash changes and have released the PDF back to backers for them to look it over again before printing. I've looked through the PDF. This book looks amazing. Uh, so I really, I cannot wait to get it. And I'm a big fan of Altered Carbon. So. Yeah, uh, nice timing with Cyberpunk 2077 coming. Um, 
yeah get all your catch-up fixes needed for the cyberpunk realm absolutely and, and you know what cyberpunk um shadow run altered carbon we're gonna have some really cool cyberpunk style games you know on the market so it's gonna be a lot of fun all right so let's refresh our coffee and then we're gonna come back and chat with nolan about character creation so actually nolan before we dive into our topic of the night i want to take a step back um you were a backer of the Tolis uh, Kickstarter, and I know you've gotten all sorts of product for that, for the older stuff, and you're anxiously awaiting for next March to get the massive tome that that book is going to be. So I wanted to mention that Monty Cook's Numenera campaign setting is being brought to 5th uh, edition. Have you looked into Numenera at all? I haven't. Uh, I kind of assumed that I had just had one thing for money cook coming and didn't really dive too deep because i thought they were working on it but it looks like this thing is is looks pretty cool as well it really does now this is what the ninth world i think is what it is uh it's beneath the monolith okay so beneath the monolith brings the setting of the award-winning science science fantasy rpg numenera to the fifth edition rule set take your wizard ranger and rogue to the amber monolith across the crystal the cloud crystal sky fields into other worlds of the ninth world. The ninth world, and this goes on to say, they say there have been eight worlds before ours. Eight times the people of this planet over vast millennia built their civilizations, reaching heights we cannot even fully imagine now. They spoke to the stars, reshaped the creatures of the world, and mastered form and essence. They built cities and machines that have since crumbled to dust leaving only their barest remnants. This is the ninth world. The people of the prior worlds are gone, scattered, disappeared, or transcended, but their work remains, and the places and devices that still contain some germ of their original function. To the ignorant, these workings of the ancient are magic, but the wise know differently. So this is based on, like I said, Monty Cook's multiple award-winning Numenera RPG, and it is set in fifth edition. Now, I don't know when this is going to be coming out, but if this is going to be anything, it looks like, okay, so some people are saying they got their book already. I was just looking through some of the comments. Um, so it looks like maybe this book is out. Is that what I'm seeing here? I don't, I don't know about the fifth edition thing, uh, but it does look like they have their own uh, uh series of how to play okay so yeah i just clicked on the link and it does look like if you go to monty cook games you can purchase this book um it looks beneath the monolith in print pdf or you can get grab the free preview so it does look like you can purchase this book so if you were looking for a new 5e setting monty cook does amazing work and nolan you can attest to that with what you've read through tolis right Right. Uh, very popular. And I know he was pretty instrumental in a lot of the third edition uh, creation. So it sounds like a lot of people that are working on fifth edition and stuff like that came from a Bonnie Cook table um, and, and helped uh, play tests and that kind of stuff from him. So I, I think he definitely does a good job of what he does. Uh, the details that he puts into the game is really interesting. Um, I know a lot of the art and stuff I've really enjoyed that I've gotten just the, right. the baby stuff for the world creation has been really good. So well, looking at the art for this game, because you can see it on the website, um, it's pretty freaking impressive. I like yeah. I like the idea of uh, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like we get kind of a, a weird high fantasy like uh, one way or another, you know, like so like cyberpunk is like the epitome of science and uh, like D and D can be the epitome of like magic, but I would like to see a world where both go hand in hand. Uh, kind of, yeah. you know, we didn't give up. You know, steampunk didn't give up. You know, the occult didn't give up. The, you know, and all of a sudden it's like, well, we have these amazing technology world that's infused in magic, and and I imagine that's probably a little bit like Eberron, but I don't know. That's what I get a feeling from this one here. You know, when you see a, a hoverboard right next to the wizard, I'm like, right, <laughs> I'm, I'm down to check it out. Yeah, it looks really interesting. So head over to Monty Cook Games and check it out if that's something you are interested in learning more about. 
All right, so now we are going to dive back into our topic of the night where we get to sit here and listen to this creative mind that is Nolan and this new system that he found for character creation and how it's going to work. And he was explaining it to me, and I thought it was fascinating. So, Nolan, I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. We were <laughs> we we've we've seen a lot lately with uh, D and D talking about, um, or I guess people talking about the whole issue with races, uh, some things being inherently evil, and people not liking that some races have base stats for some reason or another. I don't, I don't know. It's not something that I'm on the I'm on board with. Um, personally, I I get it. Creatures have lore. Um, they have a reason the way they are. And in, in this world, um, I guess for me in the D&D world, uh, we know there's gods. We, we know that um, we know Grumpsh made orcs in, in a way to be aggressive, violent warriors attacking uh, killing, maiming in the war. Now that doesn't mean that your orc has to be that anymore. You could fight that power, but what I'm saying is not necessarily alignment based, but they were made with the purpose of being strong and violent. So the fact that people um, maybe don't like that they get to pick their 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 customize their stats or something like that, I, I guess I'm just missing the point because it's like. They were they were built with a purpose of being strong and having a high constitution because they're warriors. If your guy wants to go to school and then and do the wizard academy and be smart, then build your character that way. But he's going to be naturally strong because of what he is. And I don't know. You know, we were <laughs> we've had those conversations where it's like, listen, I get it. I'm six foot. I would I would like to be six foot nine and be able to dunk a basketball significantly easier than I used to be able to, but just wasn't on the cards. So I don't have that natural advantage. And, and sometimes things have natural advantages or disadvantages or stuff that they're good at. That's part of the game. I and just I, and, want to be six foot. Just just throwing that out there. there I was just go. hoping for six foot. <laughs> so so anyway, I, I know there's a lot of talk on, well, we should pick the races big differently. And these classes shouldn't be inherently evil. And and I I get it. Sort of. Okay. I, I understand that it really limits some of the options um, to to make some of those things. It's really hard to be a orc wizard. Okay. I understand that they don't have a natural, but the point is, is that's not what they were made for. And so when you make one of those, it's different. Dritt stands out because he bucked the system and, and found a better way of living and followed his heart. And that's why we remember him. Um, so it's, I think it's those characters that rise above, maybe not rise above their station, but I, I think those people that, that, reach for more are the ones that we we gravitate to or this wasn't how your life was supposed to go and and you you altered your uh, destiny I, I think we rally behind those things so anyway i'm the last person to uh to go for this situation elves are nimbly depending on where they were they're probably more dexterous because they run through trees i'm sorry dwarf that's not what you were made for take it up with your deity that created you so um, anyway, that's my soapbox. I hate the idea of it. But uh, I was cycling through Twitter. Rarely I do anymore because there's just so much anger and hatred out there that I try to avoid social media. But I came across a gentleman named uh, Gabe Hicks. And his Twitter post got uh, a, a couple of likes from people that I follow. And so I got to take a look at one of his creations just totally lucky i guess is what it would be um he is a a a game designer uh looks like he just i don't know the guy i did some awkward twitter snooping does some really awesome cosplays does some pretty cool projects and one of these projects that he has is a character creation system and and it looks like instead of race stats you get class stats and what this did for me was I understand the purpose of was one to get away from the other that yes, you are a gnome, but your job has given you your statistics more so than what you were born to. And for me, what it did is, well, now I want those stories for the races as well, because in my mind, 
races have lore. They're good at things. They were either created by their gods to be good at things, or they were, they're, they're, you know, I don't, I don't see humans crying about dark vision, you know, like that's not fair, but that's just a feature and a benefit. So anyway, the class modifier option for this situation is very cool that he's come up with. Um, it feels a little bit like the vampire character creation story path. And I can really, anytime that we're making characters and you can cause or create reason for statistics as part of a story, I, I will support wholly because that's more than just numbers on a paper. And so um, I, long story short, this is what this is. And, I, and I've got the barbarian pulled up. I've looked at all of them. Um, so the, the very first question is, is it, we don't, you pick your race, you get your class features, um, but we skip the statistic parts of it. So no plus two strength, plus one con for uh, your orc barbarian. Now, it's, okay, you're an orc. You still have some of those rage tendencies. You still have the, uh, the, the movement speed stuff. You have all that stuff, but we're not talking statistics now. This is your job. Um, and the, the, the way it reads is what makes them a barbarian? What type of barbarian is your character? Is there rage one that explodes outward and destroys everything in their path? Or is this a silent rage, an inward storm only unleashed when they make the first calculated swing? What do they fear? And what have they faced? Let's think it through. So the first step to this here is, do you pride yourself uh, more on being a stalwart Titan, able to endure energy with a fountain of health, or do you focus more on being a vicious combatant, dealing mighty blows in the thunder of battle? So this here is, do you see yourself as a stalwart titan? Add one to your constitution. Do you see yourself as a vicious combatant? Plus one to strength, your choice. So now we're building our barbarian based upon a story, how they fight, what's important to them. What have you learned in your profession? Um, second step, do you have the ability uh, do you have the ability you would boost when it comes to throwing at a distant target? Uh, or are you primarily going to focus on charging at them to deal the most damage possible while you look them in the eyes? Are you a ranged hunter? Add one to your dexterity. Are you a charge ahead character? Add one to your strength. Third step, when faced with danger, do you focus on avoiding as much damage as possible or enduring it as long as you can? Avoidance plus one dexterity. Endurance plus one constitution. So every class would get three bonuses to their statistics um, on top of you know whatever comes from their race minus, minus the stats. Um, and then you've got a little bit of a character story. We've already started to create how you fight, why you fight the way you do, and, and, and you can start working it into those situations. Uh, the very final part of this character sheet here says, consider the visual of your rage. Anger, as we know, manifests in so many different ways, and rage is a major part of the barbarian class. Emotions can manifest differently, but I ask you, what is rage like for you? Is the default emotion sadness? Does it vary depending on who you fight? Barbarians don't have to be mindless fighting machines, although you can be. Is the rage something you use sparingly and reserve for those you hate, or does it trigger out of excitement and anticipation? So... Again, I saw that. I was I was all about it. Um, again, having those kind of conversations, why you are the way you are. Yes, it does pick stats for it, but now all of a sudden I can be a gnome barbarian and have two strength and one con just like the orc, and I'm not limited by racial statistics causing me to avoid playing something because it's uh, weaker stat-wise. And I think as I got over my anger of, well, you're changing the lore or some people are just born more naturally talented at certain things, or um, I got behind it and I realized now I, I want statistics for those things. Now I want to see the uh, the elf. Okay, are you a wood elf? Are you a high elf? Are you an underground elf? Um, you know, I, I could see where you could go through the lore of the clan of what was your job with, you know, what was your job in the dwarf and community? And we, we base it on that there. You were a blacksmith and armor maker, add one to your strength. You were a brewer, add one to your constitution. You were the medicine man, you were trained by a priest, you, you learned the ability to heal. Uh, you're part of the clergy, add one to your wisdom. You know, 
and, and maybe take out, you know, the point by system, maybe take out some of that stuff and, and give them three different ways. So across the board, you would get six slots to put where you choose to and start at a base of 10. Or again, it was just one of those things of anything to add stats with purpose now became fun part of the story. And now so I've got, well, this is what I am. I'm a dwarf who is a fighter, who is a brewer, who, uh, you know, in the, in, in his campaigns was a military scout. And now I've got, you know, one strength, one con, one dexterity or whatever, because I was good at running long distances, or maybe that's constitution or now we pull in, well, okay. So you were a brewer, add one to your con, add brewing tools. You were a scout and military campaigns. Perfect. Add survivability on, on top of one constitution or dexterity. You know, I mean, there's just those, maybe we could create a whole system of the story gives you your proficiencies and tools or your, your skills or, and I don't know if it's maybe overthinking it. Uh, maybe people just like to pick, no, I want perception. I want investigation um, because those are the two that come up all the time. Uh, and then after that, you know, we'll, we'll go from there, but just make sure I have the two most important stats. So I don't know. Um, Bard talks about, uh, do you see yourself as a weaver of words, teller of stories, uh, or are you a chronicler of history? Choose one to charisma more intelligence. Uh, words or actions can get worrisome situations, but there's a way out. How do you get out? Are you a smooth talker? Add one to charisma. Are you sly and sneaky? Add one to your dexterity. So again, every question asks why are you good at this? So, so Nolan, let, let's do this. Why don't you guide me through a character creation? Okay. okay. <laughs> for for me, or based upon the new system, or let's let's base it on the system that you're talking about, or anything that you want to throw in and, and explain. If you're throwing in something extra, just explain why you're doing that. Okay. Roger, Roger. Okay. Uh, so I'm playing a dwarf because it's me. Perfect. So, so in, in, in this system here, you, uh, it, you will, you, you'll pick your hill, you'll pick your mountain, you'll pick your, uh, Durgar, Drugar, what's the underground dwarf? Okay. I get confused between my games sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, so as far as that stuff goes, you would still pick that and you would still have your proficiencies, uh, from my understanding of, uh, you know, if you're a mountain dwarf, you are, you know, you get the hit point thing. You're you're already trained in armor. You get some of that stuff there. So we're skipping the we're, I, well, we're, we're skipping I statistics. Like, I like hit points, so I'm more than likely, like I always do, playing a mount. There we go. Um, so then, what what this situation is is it asks you what class do you want to play? Let's be a bard. Okay. So in this one here for this example, uh, what makes them a bard? What type of bard is this character? Are they a singer, a dancer, or some kind of performer? Do they recount fantastic tales of adventure, or do they fancy themselves more a historian? Remembering minute details so that history can never be forgotten. Where does the magic of their inspiration come from? Well, he's definitely a historian. Okay. So as we get into this here, it goes first step. Do you see yourself as a weaver of words, a tailor of tales, almost impossible to believe? Or are you a chronicler of history, recounting things in an explicit detail so the truth is never forgotten? So the story weaver gets plus one to charisma, a living recounter gets plus one to intelligence. So now all of a sudden, the natural thing of the dwarf is kind of like, well, okay, if you're, you're looking more of an intelligent side of things, we don't have to worry about the plus two con, the plus one strength. Now I can be a charismatic bard. And still be yeah. a dwarf. And I'm probably going to be that because, again, it's it's me, and I'm thinking about building this character like me. So I'm a mountain dwarf because I like hit points and I like armor. But I'm also that mountain dwarf that loves history, and I like to document history. So he probably carries around a bunch of tomes of – you know, a bunch of books that he is constantly chronicling things in, especially if he does, learns about a new history that maybe contradicts anything that was documented before. So he's he's got his ink and, and 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 pen and his books always with him so he can chronicle stuff. So yeah, definitely a historian. All right. So the second step says sometimes your words or actions can get you into worrisome situations, but there's always a way out. The question is, are you the one who talks your way out of trouble or sneaks out before things even get that far? Well, Oftentimes, in the history that he has learned, it has caused him issues because it contradicts the history that is believed. And he has become a very, very good debater and is able to talk his way out of things. Well, I could think it was being a master debater. 
<laughs> of course you did. Uh, okay. Uh, so third step, the show must go on. How will you prepare? Uh, do you rely on your ability to think through the situation or your ability to react regardless of what goes wrong? Mm, you know, I want to, I would love to say, oh yeah, he just responds, but that's not the character that I'm developing here. This is a historian. So, so it, it talks about intuition or reaction time. Definitely intuition. Okay. So, and maybe that's how I would create these characters of asking the question. So that way you didn't know what the stats were. So maybe I got more. Uh, so intuition is plus one to intelligence. So we've created a bard right now that has plus two to intelligence and one to charisma. So it's one of those things of like, I would, I would probably do the questionnaire as a way of, so I got the honest answer versus saying, oh, well, which one gives me plus one charisma, plus one dexterity, plus one charisma, because I want to be, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. I want to min max my stats, which again, we've had this conversation of the best quote that I've heard now is when you quit trying to win D and D you finally you win D and D. Right. Right. And, and, and I always build my characters. I, I'm not the kind of person now. I used to be that person who wanted to always have the highest constitution because constitution equals hit points and I didn't want to die. Um, I love playing a, a, a dwarf thief because, hey, I have a high constitution, the, you know, the resistance to poisons and things like that. Uh, in this case, what I what I found myself doing now is, is much like you and I've kind of talked about this with the vampire way of creating characters is sitting down with you or with other dungeon DMs and saying, okay, this is the kind of character I want to build. And by you asking me questions and me not knowing what the stat's going to be, I think you're right. I think you get a more honest answer. And at the end of the day, you slide over, you know, my thought processes would be as you sit down with your DM, you go through these questions. And at the end of it all, the DM slides over a piece of paper and says, okay, here's your bonuses. Yeah. Listen, I think that's a great answer. Go ahead and add plus one to your intelligence. And and you could do this in any way of the story of like, um, you know, this here kind of gives it a balancing or whatever. But again, I, I could see it being, I think of what what did your character do? What was his job? Well, I, I, I think he was a, a historian, uh, a knowledge person. Okay, you know what? Go ahead and add investigation to your uh, yeah. skills because because it makes sense for you to be proficient in that there. That's your a class freebie, you know, because of your training, because of what you are. Uh, um, you know, I, I like I like that idea, again, of kind of going the, the vampire story pathway. You know, I'm not – vampire is not my favorite game uh, just because it's super dark and I like swinging magical swords and being a hero, not a guy that's going to feed on people and prey on things and takes me to a special dark place to try and get in that mindset. But their character creation is some of the best. Uh, some of my favorite characters come from Vampire because you can't help but not get invested into why you are the way you are because you have to, you have so many choices. And I think this is a good. I, like I said, I was I'm I'm very much against the idea of taking away racial stats and stuff like that because maybe I'm just a you know get off my lawn kind of old cranky guy, but uh, I think there's a balance for everybody. And this here got me really excited. It, it opened up a lot of opportunities to play some unorthodox classes um, and not care. You know, I mean, I. I, I want to see, you know, I want to see a halfling paladin, you know, that's the the person that liberates the Shire in the end, you know, or something like that. You know, I, I want to see that, but it, it would never be something I would touch because I don't know. Maybe the stats don't line up or whatever. So uh, I, I went from being a person that hates everything about the idea to being a person of saying they're onto something. Uh, this Gabe Hicks did a, a fantastic job with it. It's a it's a very professional product. Um, he has he has it on his uh, his website on his projects that he's working on. Uh, he's on Twitter. It's really good. It's it's a it can be a free to download type thing, or you can pay what you feel like it's worth. Um, situation to help support him so he can keep doing things. But it it just kind of opened my eyes again of getting back to creating a character based upon story. And and you just right. end up being so much more invested. And now all of a sudden we've got this historian bard and and and. We've got yeah, I this, want to play this character now. <laughs> we we've got this story where you know it's one of those things of like okay he's a historian bard he's got this and this and this you set it up a way where his intelligence is is very high that um, it would be super easy to say hey listen he's he's visited 
in a dream and now he's a cleric of knowledge. Uh, maybe he is a uh, decides to take some wizard uh, to to increase the the book study or something like that. You know, you, there might be some options there to branch out, and that's that's where I know people always consider multi-classing as power gaming. But for me, it's to 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 snag those little pieces to complete the character of right. um, every fighter isn't the same. They all had a different path there. I've I've in my life had multiple career trajectories where I'm like, this isn't for me anymore. You know, I hotel food and beverage and stuff like that. So that, you know, I've probably got five levels in that, you know, I've got six years in the auto industry now, you know what I mean? Like, I think we become more than just, you know, some people do set out and become a doctor slash, you know, whatever wizard for life. That is some of their purposes. I can right. see fighters being like, well, you know, I had to do a lot of mercenary work or I fought in the war up around the 10 towns and I had to learn survival skills like a ranger or, you know, what I mean, it, it, it seems super easy to, if your story progresses the tale, let's, let's do it. Let's find a way. Let's make it work. Like, what do you see for the vision of this person? You know, and, and as your DM, you can, I have some stuff in store for you because you gave me a good story. And I want to just piggyback a little bit here on what Nolan's saying is, you know, keep in mind, we are not at all against diversification. Um, we are for it 100%. We just feel like the way wizards handled this was just a really quick, almost knee-jerk reaction to the whole thing. And I don't, don't think it was thought out very well. And you know what Nolan was saying about orcs and and uh, just being violent and warlike, you know, here's the thing. It doesn't mean you can't have a smart orc. My thought process originally was, is okay, if I create an orc, yes, he's going to be naturally stronger because orcs are just naturally stronger. But I don't have to put my best stat rolled into strength if I want to create a wizard orc i'm going to put that in intelligence if that's where i feel like it's going to be the best serving sure i'm not going to get the bonuses but the fact is it's like if i rolled an 18 and i throw that in intelligence this orc is going to be so much different than the re than every other garden variety orc because of how i built the stats and i always thought that that was kind of how you balance things is is because you're rolling your stats or, or even using point buy and i'm you get to choose where you put those stats and so it it just felt this whole thing felt weird now again and and i can't stress this enough we are 100 percent for diversification we just feel like this was really a knee-jerk half-hassed way of doing it yeah I, I i like i said and we don't understand and i didn't see a lot of that stuff we don't bring a lot of that stuff to our table we've been pretty fortunate where um i don't think people at our table have i don't know it doesn't feel like we've had issues with uh oh gosh how much is it? i don't i don't know we we've seen all races at our table as far as right or sure. wrong and different you know what i mean and and that's kind of the the interesting thing for me is like um i guess i just didn't i didn't know it was a, a situation i didn't know it was an issue um i didn't know people saw the race is that way and and i can understand their point of view um so i'm not trying to say it is a, a purist don't change my dnd it, it definitely changed my mind but my first initial knee-jerk reaction was like but what's kind of you know always been that way and this is, seems weird like i didn't realize this was a thing why are you trying to change right. what i know and so um i again taking a couple days to formulate an opinion, think about how you feel. And again, instead of just making an announcement of we're going to fix it and this is wrong, uh, you know, we see somebody like Gabe Hicks put out something like this. It's like, this is my idea on how to fix it. And it's well done. It's, it's, it's thought out. It's a cool idea. And, and I can get behind, you know, I can see that. I can present that and say, hey, this is an option. And it wasn't like, this is how we should do it. We're going to change everything you know. It's like, if, if you have issues with that at your table, add this to your table. You know, and, and I think, first off, I want to echo what Nolan said here and say that these are not things that we bring to our table. Nolan has played Dark Elves, um, and at no point as I'm DMing the story did I ever feel like I should attack him racially because he is inherently evil or because of the color of his skin. Uh, we've had people play all sorts of races, and, and we've never brought those things to our table because we aren't that kind of person. We don't want that in our lives, period. We want everybody at our table. And I think... 
you know, I would rather see Wizards of the Coast fix the very first issue we talked about at the beginning of this show, where if, you know, if, and, and I'm saying if lightly here because I do believe there are probably some issues because multiple people now have come out and said that there's issues. You know, if Wizards of the Coast is treating people of color, people of, you know, by people of color, um, if if they are treating marginalized people or people of other races incorrectly, then they need to fix that right away. And I think that is probably more important, fixing that so they can add the diversity to the games in a balanced way than giving us this knee-jerk reaction to all the stuff that's going on in social media. Start from the freaking top, fix the issue, and I think if you do that, you fix the game. I can agree. And uh, it's it's weird. It's and yeah, and, and I think that's the thing again of feeling I don't know. We try to avoid stating our opinion because we're we're pretty sheltered. Uh, and yeah. we don't necessarily have a lot. But it's also the same side of I know that I'm not the only one that feels this way. Uh, I know we've had these conversations. And again, we're not trying to be insulting. It's just I guess it's okay for us to have an opinion on it too. But we're also willing to learn and listen. Um, and that and we don't ever want anybody to feel turned off by our opinion or whatever because we were a couple of guys you know, sitting around having this conversation and be like, I don't get that. I didn't realize that was an issue. Why are they changing things? And so getting people having conversations, talking to us, be like, oh, this kind of stuff is coming from wizards all over. So maybe it is something more than we were reading into. Thanks for telling us. Thanks for talking to us about it. And that's what we want. Right. So if you guys have feedback, if you have conversations, if we're missing something completely, let's talk. Let's not yell at each other. Let's not be angry. Let's not fight. Let's talk. Because that's right. that's how we all get better. Yeah, and I'm perfectly, perfectly willing to accept that this is probably our white privilege in not seeing any of this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, totally agree. Yeah, so I completely agree with that. And and I think that, uh, like I said, I think if you start from the top and fix the issues at the top, the game will fix itself because you will start getting more people in there who are more diverse, who represent a wide variety of this world that we live in of this world that we play in because let's face it this world that we play in is going to have a wide variety of people and let's embrace all of that and bring it all to the game but fix the problem at the top first because i think what watson needs to do is fix their internal problems and hire di you know diverse people so they can fix the game and treat yeah. everybody with respect and equally because it sounds like there was some discrimination in pay as well which is total fucking bullshit yeah and when you guys are creating awesome games and stuff like that don't forget about uh this plain white guy over here who likes to play noble hero paladin guy so don't make don't make your game not include me as well just because all games are made for me i want to sit down and i want to be comfortable as well so i know we we've talked about that kind of stuff of like do i do i is my character too normal for the situation am i going to turn people off because of what I want to play. So just, again, don't forget about, like, I like paladins. I like being a good guy. I like being a hero. I'm a big King Arthur fan. I can't help it. So yeah. make sure you <laughs> make sure you leave some room for my guy to come in and, and, and play as well while you're creating stuff because I want to check out your guys' uh, creations as well. Yeah, absolutely. We want to see all the stuff that people are creating. And I know we are going way off a of topic, and that's okay because – this has been on our mind, both of our minds, for quite a while now, and and I think this is just a way to pick you or to springboard into it. So yeah, if you guys are creating stuff because you are feeling like it's not out there, uh, keep in mind. Let's keep it open for everybody because we all want to play in your world too. We want to check it out, and we're excited to see what you're coming up with, and we're excited to see the stuff that you put in it, and we're excited to play in it. So yeah i agree and again yeah. we'll, we'll help spread the word we like checking it out and, and it's not going to be based upon anything other than whether we like your your game or not so uh again we've we've had some great interviews with some people creating some some fantastic products uh i'm learning more and making me deep dive deeper into games that i'm not familiar with which is always fun to get out of the out of the wheelhouse of comfort zone and and check out new games so if you have something if you have a cool you know idea or anything like that uh, shoot us a message we would would love to take a look at it and see and and give feedback and talk about it on our shows 
I agree. Uh, we love highlighting stuff that people have coming out. So if you have a project that you're working on that that you're, you know, getting out there, uh, we want to know. We want to know so we can bring you on a show, so we can let you talk about it, let you tell the world, and and hopefully get you know help you get that funding that you're seeking, because uh, we love doing that kind of stuff. It's just great. So come on, shoot me a message and and tell me about your project because I want to help you promote it. Um, all right. Well, no one. We've we're way it's a segue. So, how do you get a hold of Patrick exactly. if you want to talk stuff? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna mix it up. Cool. Uh, so you can find me at all pretty much all social media at three hundred seven RPG. Um, shoot me a message. I'm happy to hear about what you got going on and schedule an interview. Nolan, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, my name is Nolan, and I'm on Twitter at nlemires, and uh, that's it. That's all okay. I got. That's it. <laughs> and, and seriously, um, again, this this player creation thing. Again, if you're having issues about it, if if, you, if you're on the fence about it, take a look at it. The, uh, this Gabe Hicks guy is uh, Gabe Hicks, Gabriel Hicks. I apologize if I'm, I'm butchering your name or whatever, but it's a very awesome idea. I think there's something there. Uh, there's definitely something there that I would incorporate, even if you don't do the stats. Just some good questions uh, about the classes, the races. How do you learn? How do you grow? You guys got a little sample of it, so sure, give the guys some love. Yep. And we'll include a link in the show notes. And that is our show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.